Hello, welcome to the Roll Together podcast. Thank you for joining us for these podcast versions of our streamed shows from Twitch. You can always find our schedule of upcoming shows at twitch.tv slash rolltogetherrpg slash schedule. Please do leave a review and we look forward to adventuring together. Good evening and welcome, peasants, to Talking is a Free Action. I hope you're listening closely. I am, as I am sure you know by now, and if not, what is wrong with you? The Fae. I represent the Question Masters today, your favourite kindly overlords. And to further our constant insatiable quest for knowledge, I hope you'll join me today in welcoming a new guest to my Villa of Veracity. Now, today we have the mortal known as Aldrin. Now, dearest Aldrin, we're just going to chat, maybe throw you in some dungeons. It will all be absolutely fine. Just a few horrible life and death, soul-searching choices. But don't you worry. Nothing I can do to you is permanent. And at the end of an hour, I'll send you right back to where you came from and you will have no memory that this ever happened. Although also... We do have suspicions that this lovely Aldrin here is just one of several people in the material plane connected to a higher being known as David. And we believe he exists in an entirely different plane. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to extract some information from David as well. So, Aldrin, my darling, are you ready to be challenged? Sure, I, I'm thinking I may have uh, eaten too much halfling cheese because this is a weird kind of uh, illusion going on right now, but uh, sure, why not? That's the spirit, and if you want to think of it all as an illusion, sweetheart, then whatever gets you through the time, I'm fine with that. But before we begin your trials and tribulations, I have been provided with some important people to thank. It turns out that for some reason, we have been generously sponsored by the entities known as HeroForge, UltraPro, Phoenix Dice and Alchemy RPG, and are supported by Idle Champions, Warriors of Waterdeep, Neverwinter, Elderwood Academy and D&D Beyond. Also, we have a particular place in our warm, cosy hearts for our audience members known as the D20 Club. They have perpetually earned a place in our good books, and you should be wise. Stay on my good side and join them by supporting us on Patreon. Now, if you can't join us live here in the Villa of Veracity, you can always listen on your favourite podcasting app by searching for Roll Together RPG. And if you wanted to engage with us further in a social sort of fashion, our influence has spread to various social media locations under the same tag, Roll Together RPG. Now, Aldrin, you have been summoned over the next, ooh, 57 minutes or so, you shall traverse my villa. Behind each door is a challenge to overcome. But remember, if at any point your sweet little brain can't cope with it, then talking is a free action. You can always choose to bypass the problem and connect me to this David, and we can have a little chat instead. 
And yeah, as I say, you'll be back in an hour with no memory of this ever happening. Do you have anything you'd like to say before we begin? Uh, don't rightly understand everything you just said to me, but sure, let's have a little explore and maybe we'll talk to this David Fader, whoever that is. <laughs> I mean, I hope so. He does sound very interesting. I'm and, sure he's a handsome man. Well, it sounds like he has something in common with the overlord question master who does rule us all, but it must just be a coincidence and nothing really in common. So, shall it's we begin? Strange old world. Would you like to roll what they call a D100, or would you like me to? Uh, I think on uh, this occasion, seeing as how it's uh, your setup and I'm um, in your uh, villa as it stands, uh, you go right ahead and you, you roll them things. A gentleman, this is going well. There are people who've made a worse first impression in less time. Well done. That is a 54. Ah, so, Aldrin, turning from my marvellous front porch, you see before you a door entirely made of red gemstone. It is cut and polished, and you can see your face reflected in a thousand tiny facets. The handle is gold, and if you lightly, lightly touch it, it will swing straight open. Do you enter? Well, in for a penny, in for a pound, as uh, my old uh, friend used to say. Let's uh, let's go on through that thing. Was this friend a useful friend? A good friend? Well, they were up until the time they died. But, uh, oh, you know, how sad. Yeah, what happened that, to that, them? That, that's a whole other streaming session, if you, uh, you mm. know what I mean. Uh, they were uh, very loyal, very supportive uh, ally of mine and... Uh, well, some bad folks uh, got in the way, and they didn't want to come back. And uh, that's about all I got to say about that. Goodness. Yeah. This is why you just shouldn't have any friends. It works best for me. You can Hard to split a party when there's no party, right? Precisely, and then you get to keep the party all to yourself. I've been to a lot of parties, but I ain't never been accused of being one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe after today you will have another string to add to your bow. So, entering this room, it is dark. You head on in carefully, but you bump into a chair. Sitting down in that chair, you realize the chair is pulled up to a table and there is someone sniffling in a chair on the other side of the table. Feeling about on the table in front of you, you can feel a plate. Suddenly there is the flare of light and the sound of a match being struck. A lantern is lit and you see before you a figure. Hello, they say. My name's Medusa. My date, the cute nymph, just stood me up or turned into a statue. Will you be my date? What do you say? Well, now, um, you say there's a anything like a plate or a reflective object in front of me on this here uh, There table. is indeed a plate. Would you like to see if it is made of reflective material? I would like to see that, yes, very much. Uh, why don't we see? You're very lucky. It is indeed metal. 
plate. Silver, if you had to guess. Well, then, uh, I would say, um, well, I'm, I'm right sorry to hear that, and of course, I would be more than uh, happy to accompany you, but uh, on the elf chance that you have been uh, sad and crying and such like, and you might have some regard for your appearance, I'd like to invite you to uh, have a look in this here plate and just see if your uh, hair and so forth is looking right for you before, uh, you know, we, we go on about our way. You just took a, take a look right in there. Ooh. How persuasive are you feeling, Aldrin? Um, uh, I think I'm pretty persuasive. Let's see. Well, Medusa, she is a canny, canny person, and she has been stood up, so she's feeling naturally suspicious. What do you do to just really sell your case? Well, I'd like to think that, um, my general demeanor and my mannerisms of, uh, of well-being, I'm a unthreatened sort, perhaps, uh, I mean, I ain't a big fella, but uh, a bit lithe and, and, and supple, so maybe I stand up such like and offer quite a genuflection of a, a flourishing bow to uh, present uh, this uh, this fine person with uh, some reflective materials and such. Oh, now, of course, she has been keeping her face hidden behind a cushion as she sobs, because otherwise you would already be turned into stone. But she can somehow feel the chivalry exuding into the room. And... It's my aura. <laughs> mm, yes, I think she does, in fact, reach out, take the plate, and gently move the cushion to one side to start um, unsmudging her mascara. Why, Aldrin, what do you think will happen next? Well, I mean, I, I think there's two different schools of thought on this theory. One is that you can look through a reflective surface at a uh, Medusa Gorgon and such like and um, remain otherwise unharmed, but it won't do nothing to them. The other is that should they catch sight of themselves in such a reflective surface that their own powers of turning themselves to stone might indeed uh, work in such a way as to uh, ensure you everyone's getting stoned at this party, if you know what I mean. Well, I know which legend I grew up with, but shall we keep it nice and surprising? Odds, um, you can converse, neither changed. Evens, she has turned to stone. Oh dear. This may be, you'll have to tell me, the shortest date you have ever been on, Aldrin. As as soon as she takes a look in, she solidifies. And there is a rather fetching Medusa statue sitting at the table opposite you. Well, now, uh, that was definitely a short date. Uh, I'd like to take a book of matches out of my pocket and... Uh, get myself one of them old cigars and uh, say, well, this may not have been a good date, but, and I light a match on the statue. That was a successful tender. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that physically hurts. Many psychic damage, right? <laughs> I think I do need to take about four points of psychic damage. Um, if you turn around the Fae, is lounging against the wall and, well, say interesting, you didn't want to give the poor woman some company, you went straight for permanent incapacitation? 
Well, now, I, I look at it like you said. Uh, I'm here for an hour, and nothing I do really going to have any uh, impact going forward. So I figured, why not have some fun? Now, of course, this was a real-life scenario with real-life uh, consequences, then I would be happy to talk to this person a bit more. But uh, you know, I used to be a cleric of mask, and I used to have quite a tricks aside to my nature. So I'm thinking, hey, I got an hour of flights of fancy. Why not let that all run wild and enjoy being back in that saddle for a day? I mean, that is fascinating logic, but you may have misunderstood me. I said you didn't remember, or you wouldn't remember. I didn't say there wouldn't be any consequences. Well, uh, I guess one's about the same as the other now, isn't it? Well, poor Medusa here. I'm going to have to take her out and add her to my statue collection in the garden and find a new Medusa to lure into my villa for the next person. And as for you, if you impress me in here, you may not remember it, but I will. And if you don't impress me, I'll remember that as well. Uh I just want to be clear now. You, mm. you're, you're saying that you keep getting Medusas in here and you keep getting them stood up by people? I think I'll ask the questions. I'm just trying to make sure I'm on the same path, that's all, but uh, all right then. I do like an inquisitive soul. Are you ready for another room? I guess so. Good. Ooh, we're going down here. You see another door in the room, in the wall ahead of you. This is much more rustic. It is arched at the top, made of knotted wooden panels with a few bits of branches and moss starting to push through. Would you like to go through this door? Not sure, why not? Better to go forward than back. You emerge into blazing sunlight, a bucolic view of some farmland, um, and ahead of you on a picnic bench, there is a scroll. Would you like to go and read what's on the scroll? Sure, I'll, I'll go read what's on the scroll. Uh, if, if you pardon my, my ignorance, I don't have a lot of book learning and such. Uh, use the word there, uh, bucolic, I think it was. Uh, oh, I'm not quite um, sure what that means. Rural and pretty. Oh, I see. So very much a word one could use to describe myself. <laughs> I was just about to say, quite like my present company. Well, thank you kindly. Um, so Go see this scroll, I guess. This field has less of a sharp edge than I suspect you are hiding. On this scroll, if you pick it up, it reads mm. in flowery script, there are 30 cows in a field and 28 chickens. How many didn't? 30 cows in a field. It's not many cows. Not where I'm from. It's not a big field. Well, right Where are then. you from? I'm from a small village in Am, uh, about five, six days from Athcatler uh, as the, uh, the drove of walks and uh, there's a lot of cows. There's a lot of chickens. Uh, I remember a friend of mine once had this concept for a play called Cow and Chicken, but uh, never came to much. Uh, kept ending up with milk and eggs all over the place. Just had a great big cake. If you began somewhere so bucolic, 
when I fished you out of your current predicament, you did seem to be in rather the middle of a battle in a much bigger place. How on earth did you get from there to here? Well, that involves um, a lot of time, a lot of choices. Some of them I made, some of them were made for me. Uh, We all find ourselves adrift on the waters of life. Um, We can choose whether we hang to the flotsam or the jetsam, whether we strike out to shore, whether we let the wind and the waves bury us. And I, my friend, have always been a striver, and I'm finding my way just as best I can. And right now, that way seems to involve fighting things that resemble giant maggots and such, which, Mm. uh, I'll be honest, ain't the best day of my life, but at least I'm side by side with friends, so maybe it could be worse, you know what I mean? Ah, this friends thing again. What was the best choice you made that got you to fighting giant maggots? (laughs) Well, now, that's a a difficult path to uh, wander about and quandary and such. Um, I would say best choice I ever made was... uh, Siding to follow the wisdom of Timor, redeem myself uh, from following uh, the precepts of mask and becoming a much nicer feather and using the skills and the abilities and such I got for uh, making folks' lives better so they're making folks' lives worse. Uh, even though from time to time you, you meet a folk who might be a kind of a, how do you say, a rich asshole, and uh, maybe you think that taking some of their money and uh, giving it to somebody else might be... Uh, all for the greater good. So there's a bit of leeway. There's a bit of gray space. You know what I mean? Time always not a prescriptive god. Um, no, she does seem fun. Well, exactly. So why do you think I want to set up a church in a casino? Uh, <laughs> me and Time Or, we had some arguments about that, but I think I'm bringing them around. <laughs> anyway, that, cows and chickens. And yes, such. 30 for cows in a field, 28 chickens. How many didn't? I mean, I'm a wise fella. I ain't none too bright. We talking about like cows, what are afraid and such? Cows being chickens? I'm like... I like your thinking. Completely wrong, but very imaginative. I'm just thinking about time when some wolves was attacking this uh, flock of sheep. Could have been cows, I suppose, but cows... Cows are a lot more dangerous than people give them credit for. Really? Uh, I've seen people walking across a cow field. They got their dog. They got stuff. And they, they see a sign that's been put up by a farmer. And it's like, you don't want to come in here because cows, they'll get you. Right? And, uh, you know, slightly more succinctly put than that. But essentially, that is the point of it. It's a big cow and a big sign and a, you know, scared little dog. And, and people still be walking across them fields and the cows will chase them. You know, especially time of year when they got little cows. And uh, I, I try to explain to people, you know, you got to be wise. Don't have to be none too clever. You just got to be wise. You got to know about your cows and your chickens. Anyway, I don't know. If you um, turn, the, the door you came in by is hanging open. And now, as you turn to look, there is a sign on it that says, you don't want to come in here because cows, they'll get you. I like well, that. Thank you. It needed a little something. Uh, I'm, I'm more than happy to help now. As far as this little here quandary goes, uh, my level of intelligence, uh, they're 30 and 28. I barely count to 30, I'll be honest. Uh, how many didn't? Well, I'm going to say two, because I know the difference between 28 and 30 is two. I don't know nothing else about that, apart from, you know, cows, they'll get you. 
Oh dear, is to your final answer. It's the best I can do with the amount of stuff I know. Well, it was a valiant effort, but you see the cow suddenly stop dead and all turn to look at you simultaneously. Oh no. And you suddenly realize that the cows have teeth, sharp teeth, fangs, too many fangs, no cow should have that many fangs. And they're all approaching you rather rapidly. Would you like to um, invoke your talking as a free action? Well, now I think it might be a good idea to talk to these cows. <laughs> no, I'm saying, <laughs> yeah, talking's free action. That's our thing. I think that's very wise. And suddenly, Aldrin, you are pulled out of the field and um, connected to the higher being. David! What's going on? This is very strange. Hi, uh, Dave! How are you doing? Hi, yeah, I was just eating some cornflakes and suddenly I'm, I'm here and there's hayseed stuck in my teeth. It's weird. I do that to people, sorry. I, I, I understand the, the necessities thereof. No, well, no problem. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah, every day's a holiday, I guess. Um, Something. Sure. <laughs> Something of that um, nature. You're in Drowning in Blackwater. How is that going? Yeah, it's it's going really well. Um, it's a you know really fantastic group of people. Um, I've had the you know the fortune, the privilege to work with some some top people and performers over my time doing this stuff. Uh, yourself very much included. Um, but you know, it's it's a really lovely mix in terms of um, kind of party mechanics, characterization, and just that that kind of synergy and working together is really fun the plot's been really interesting to follow kind of trying to figure out some some mysteries with some challenging combat and um i think chris has set a very good balance between um having the story beats and understanding kind of how the characters will explore that and also throwing some some stuff at us that we may not have been expected for that's a bit more challenging but certainly using uh spells in ways that i wouldn't have have imagined um it's been yeah it's been it's been a challenge but in a really good way um and it's been a lot of fun uh so far um although the maggots and stuff is a little concerning so we'll have to see how that it's Chris DMing. Up. Things have to be a little concerning. It's in oh, their contract. Yeah. It's a little bit of maggots, always. Yeah. Nice. Always. And what's Aldrin like now? Because when we played together, Aldrin was yeah. having a huge, like, identity crisis and going from being a servant of Mask to a worshipper of Timora, and so went from being really quite untrustworthy to suddenly everything is peace. Has that settled down a bit? Does he oh. know who he is? How? How is? Yeah. Still quite untrustworthy, but in a Excellent. good way, uh, in a in a mischievous way. Um, yeah, I, I mean that sort of having been effectively indoctrinated into a cult, and then slowly coming to the realization, and then very quickly that it was all uh, a lie. Um, finding a new cause uh, to sort of pledge himself to um is kind of on the path to redemption kind of of the view that redemption may not be ultimately possible for him but at the same time doing some good along the way is not going to hurt um and that presumably timor has preserved him for some reason um and then finding the the, the shepherds hearing the the, the cause that they were engaged in and thinking, you know, this is an opportunity to do good for the the little people. I mean, Aldrin is, the biggest change in Aldrin is the concern for and the empathy for the, the little people who aren't movers or shakers, um, who are sometimes moved and shook and just 
um, having that opportunity for a different perspective. So rather than necessarily turning the wheels of governance by manipulating people at the highest levels, it's more about just looking at the people around, how can um, improvements be made to their lives on a kind of day-to-day uh, basis. So the, the, effectively the people he was born into and grew up with, those sort of farmers and villagers that he would have previously thought himself above and removed from kind of looking at their lives with a different level of empathy and a different level of maturity as well because you know he's grown up quite a lot in a in a a short time so it's it's really fun to see how the the characters evolved and to think of how to change that because you know playing the same character forever and just having them be static and and never changing it is very dull fantasy kind of lends itself into that trope if you're not careful yeah because a lot of fantasy worlds tend to not feel that dynamic um you know, especially the kind of medieval fantasy. But I think where D&D is good, and, and, and other systems as well, is it, it gives you the opportunity to have scope beyond that. Mm-hmm. And I, I love the, the the extent to which the various campaigns that are going on with Roll Together, for example, kind of feed in and influence each other. It makes it that much easier to be part of a, a, a dynamic, ever-shifting world, and it makes it much more interesting to develop a character. Because I, I don't know about you, like if I felt I had nowhere to go with the character, I'd just retire them because there's, yeah. there's zero point in just phoning it in. <laughs> it's yeah. why Persephone, who played with Aldrin, is pretty much retired because mm. she's really happy. Yeah. She's defeated her big oh, there's, nothing, there's nothing worse than being happy. Yeah. No one wants a happy hero. She's found true love. She's got her purpose in life, running this orphanage slash martial arts slash wizard school with her wife, Ashra. Like, why would I want to take her out adventuring? Because I don't want anything to change for her ever. Yeah. If like Ashra, something happens to Ashra or something massive happens in Baldur's Gate, then things have mm. changed. But yeah, you're right. You have to have that willingness to have everything you thought the character was turn upside down. Otherwise mm. it can be a bit, yeah, boring. Yeah, the fabric of the world needs to be imperiled to, uh, to quote Brandon Sanderson. Very nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is it. You can have characters that are in happy places, but if a DM like approached and was like, "So, kind of want to have an earthquake that destroys your shit," uh, well, how do you feel about that? Then there's somewhere you can go with it. But I agree, like with the head cannon that one has for characters, there are some that I feel like, like Torvald, who is now just happy being a, a your librarian in Candlekeep um, because he can reach the high shelves, you know. Um, you find yourself at that pattern and I wasn't I wasn't sure with Aldrin but then having the opportunity to kind of play through the as part of the Shepherd story I'm like yes that does make sense because that's yeah. a that's a big enough thing that it would pull him away from day to day kind of help like traveling around um, helping uh, people with their you know clerical issues it sounds like I'm just doing their taxes for them really but no it's you know religious D&D Healy sort of things yeah I think it's similar to lifting the curtain slightly. With each campaign we play, we are told PC death is on the table and then in the safety toolkit that we all get sent, you are given the chance to say, please, please don't kill this person. It would make me in the real world really upset. I really don't want to. But personally, it's again with the whole change and earthquakes and... For me, if I'm not open to the possibility they might proper die, then it's... Yeah you're just playing i i sort of i'm on i i'm i have, a, I have a, a position on that and that i've i've i think character death can be really good mm. as a story beat i also think that being upset about a character dying 
is not necessarily a bad thing. Oh, not at all. Because it's, it, it, you know, if you're not engaged with the character in some way, then you, you, you're probably not fully connected to what it is that you're trying to do. So, so having that sense of loss is good. But I, I, what I would dislike is like a, a completely bullshit death. Like uh, you're yes, climbing you up just... a cliff and you just roll in that one and suddenly you fall. And you fail the three death saves and there's no point. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Also, I should say, I've never had a PC die. All my feelings might change if it actually happens. Yeah. Ava it's... is currently imprisoned in the abyss, living through an eternal cycle of torment. So that's close, right? That sounds but... worse. Chris, <laughs> Chris sounds, sounds is like an evil genius. Death would be some sort of sweet release. That, that's, that's horrible. Blame Evie, Evie's character... Orcus offered to kill Ava, and Evie's character went, no, can you do something worse? Wow. <laughs> She's so sweet, yet so evil. Wow, we're, we're friends like those. <laughs> but That's, yeah, you're completely yeah. right about the emotional attachment. Um, I have a friend who, in the first lockdown, and the times that shall not be named, uh, rang me at like midnight and was like, Rebecca, I'm really sorry, this is completely pathetic, but we've just finished playing an online game of D&D and my PC, whom I love, mm. she's, you know, two death saves down. This is a really, really fraught, she could possibly... And I just can't cope with her dying. And bless him, he felt like an absolute idiot. But no, because they, they matter to us. And also, especially at a time where you couldn't see your real friend, your imaginary friend was slightly yeah. all you had. I, I can see that being especially, you know, when, you, when, when your opportunity to socialize is kind of purely vicarious. I, I think as well, like, it, it's a natural thing that any character that you make is going to be to some, some degree a self-insert because we can only build things out of what we know. Yeah. Um, and I think that 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 happens. I think the, where, where, where it becomes percent, like potentially problematic is where it's almost just a bit too far. Like the reason, for example, I don't play bards is because I know that I would be very, very tempted to put too much of myself into the character and therefore be way too invested in what happened to them. Um, so it's like, you know, a, a bit, an, enough to care, enough to be invested, enough to drive the stakes is good. But equally, if your character dies, then you you ideally don't want to be like broken up with about it for, for days afterwards. Yes. I mean, you know, just sulk for an hour. That's what I do. And also not so much of a self-insert that if a character criticizes your character, it feels like a personal attack. I've definitely made that mistake yeah. when I was starting out and then gone, okay, let's take a step back. It's very human. I think it's 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 a lot more common in new players because the the, the type of role play, especially if you have kind of inter interparty social PvP, um, it may not be something that people have experienced before. Mm -hmm. And when especially if somebody's like fully invested in their character is being critical to yours and you're not used to necessarily that dynamic then it, you know it's just doubly important to check in and just say to say to people like you know i just want you to be very clear that's my character at your character not you this this kind of thing which may seem obvious but when you're in the moment it's not always possible to know how other people are reacting to it so that's a very yeah. good point to to raise like safety is key um, you want everyone to be enjoying it, and in, like social PvP can be awesome. Um, and like ninety nine times out of a hundred, people are not attacking you. And yeah. if the, if they are, they're a dick and get them out of your group. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's where not having too much of a self insert can help. If someone's attacking you because you stole all of that jewelry, mm. that's much easier, I find, to distance than someone's attacking you because. 
you were sarcastic in a mean way, but I'm sarcastic in a mean way, and oh no! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I should roll the dice and actually ask you a real question, really, shouldn't I? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, I was going in, you know, your best tradition of... Oh, I waffle. Yeah. Interviewing. I would try to learn from the master. Uh, I, 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 I mean, the timekeeper badge was never never in danger of being mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> this question is, if all of your characters had to fight each other, who would win? Gosh. I'm trying to think. Um, I, I'll, I'll assume for the purposes of this that they'd all be the same level. It's up to you. Otherwise, I mean, it's a very, it's an easier question if not. But yeah. I mean, probably Aldrin. Um, Even though he's such a pacifist. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's, uh, peace and tranquility follows a battle. Um, <laughs> it just depends on how you look at it. Um, Eltrion, maybe. Oh no! I was wondering on. what about am I talking? What am I talking about? What am I talking about? Um, Alba. Alba's unkillable and does about 300 damage a round. So for people watching who maybe haven't met Alba, can you yeah. tell us who Alba is and where they can uh, watch Alba? So Alba is totally not um, just a reworked version of a broken character I had in the home game. Mm -hmm. uh, no, Alba is a um, former Hobgoblin officer from a different plane uh, who was brought together with a, a bunch of other uh, misfits by uh, gate crashers and trying to solve a potential universe ruining mystery in that regard um, is a blade singer um, horrific uh, just unkillable monster with an effective AC of about 28 um, that can churn out about 180 DPR um on average um and but actually has a developed personality um as being part of an elite in a doomed uh civil war fighting for his people that you know he knew they weren't organized enough um and was part of a, an elite corps of troops that decided to fight on their side anyway because it was the right thing to do and having had all his hair fall out, his moustache, which was a symbol of his uh, position within Hobgoblin society, having been lost, uh, found himself something of a ronin and uh, therefore attached himself to Mirtha to um, take the opportunity to traverse the uh, the multiverse um, in, in so far as possible as, as some sort of uh, plane hopping um, adventurer slash scholar um with a you know a sarcastic nature that belies his uh his inner intellectual um desires uh, but also kind of broken <laughs> yes and he would just kill all your other characters without a second thought no i mean if they all sort of came together i i mean aldrin would probably just uh drop a sphere and Aldrin's Laugh. so good at buffing people, my word. Yeah, Aldrin Percy is Percy was invincible when Aldrin was there. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fun. It, like, it, it's been a really... Coming to sort of support characters and being able to empower other people to have more fun and do more awesomeness um, has been a lot of fun. Like, yeah, like, it's just buffing Percy and being like, go forth. 
You <laughs> are now a holy weapon. Go forth into more awesome. Um, that's really fun, and uh, some like he he manages to occasionally uh, assist in combat with a highly rolled cantrip, which is more of a, it's enjoyable because it's unexpected. Like I, I expect him to do like four damage or something. But Alden's very good at not being in the way. So I would imagine if there was a fight between all my characters, he'd be sort of like, duh, 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 <laughs> and then just uh, cast Word of Recall, nope, out of there. Yes, uh, can't you do stone shape and like encase yourself into a wall and then just come out when everyone's dead? Yeah, meld into stone. That's um, the badger. A bit. Um, Otterleek's Resilient Sphere also comes as part of that, which can only be broken by a disintegrate spell. Uh, which um, Alba doesn't have, but he could just bounce Aldrin up and down like a basketball, I suppose. So, yeah, I mean, if it came down to pure combat, I mean, Aldrin would probably be the best at reasoning or talking himself out of it. Or, uh, it doesn't perhaps... say it doesn't say physical fight, just yeah, fight. Perhaps chess boxing. <laughs> <laughs> perhaps convincing um, Alba it wasn't the way to go, but if it came down to just pure mechanics, um, Alba is probably the the character that i've spent the most time optimizing um even if like not 100 i never like 100 spreadsheet a character because like at the end of the day they have to make sense yeah into, like i don't want to be like hello i'm sir spreadsheet <laughs> <laughs> i what do you do sir spreadsheet i hit things do you have any social skills no do you have any intelligence no what do you do? Hit things. <laughs> For a one-shot. Yeah. Sir Spreadsheet. The automaton <laughs> does sound really quite delightful, but... The knight of the formula. Yes. Uh, I mean, sure, maybe for a, maybe for a one shot. If there's a DM I particularly dislike, which unfortunately there isn't. Um, I was going to say, if you're ever playing for me and Sir Spreadsheet turns up, I will know. <laughs> I, I, did, I did Ali's one shot, and um, I did the the Comte of Edgington, and I was going to just play it like the the, the tropey edge lord, and then I I got to the start of the one shot, and I'm like, no, that won't be fun for anyone but me, because yeah, it'll be funny for about five minutes until the meme. The fact that I'm memeing on it wears off, and then it just looks like I'm like, I look into the past. What, what does your character do, Dave? He stares out to the middle distance. <laughs> yeah, it's fun it. for a tenth of a one shot. Yeah. Does he engage with anyone anyway? No. He's too edgy and tragic. It's like so this. Oh, it's the problem with all of our players. Everyone is too talented. I, the one I DM'd the Midsummer Night's Dream one shot. I just asked everyone to come up with a rude mechanical, just a real. Easy, simple, two-dimensional buffoon, mm. which they did. And then like, but I've also did I put in all this work and look, I've got all this rhyming verse and I have this real deep need as a backstory. I was like, oh, <laughs> you're all really good. Oh, I have to make time for you to be talented. Oh, no, it was great. <laughs> yeah, if I, if I ever end up DMing, I think 80% of it is just going to be like, ah, they'll, they'll, they'll do something. It's fine. There's a I rude can... mechanical, just a sweary warforged. <laughs> I missed a trick! Bother, why didn't you make that joke six months ago and I could have done something about it? <laughs> it's, time, it's time for the Shakespearean sequel. You know, you know it is. <laughs> oh, no. Midsummer Night's Dream 2. Well, I mean, I mean, now that we have pig folk as canon, you can definitely do Hamlet. Out. Get out. <laughs> Actually, I have the power to do this. I kick you out of my happy <laughs> interview bubble. And oh, no. um, Aldrin, you find yourself back in a field. <laughs> 
Cows, cows everywhere. Um, oh, the no. fae waves her hand lazily, and the cows. You blink. You could have sworn they had teeth and fangs and were menacing and looking at you in weird synchronicity, but suddenly they're just cows. 30 happily grazing cows. Weird. One of them seems to look at you funny. Good thing I don't have a dog. Well, that was very illuminating. Would you like to continue? Sure. Yeah, why not? Oh, we're coming over here. You uh, see in the far gate of the field, a very out of place door. This one is shimmering as if just currents of air are going back and forward, creating a portal between the field and wherever is next. You cannot see through it. Would you like to step through? Sure. Uh, we'll poke my hand through first, see what happens. Uh, um, that doesn't fall off, then I'll, I'll step through the rest of it. Again. It falls off! No, it is fine. Um, no. Nothing happens. You step through. You... It's hard to get a clear view. Everything is slightly shimmery still. Um, it's hard to tell exactly which way is up and down and how far away anything is. But you do see before you an enchantingly beautiful object. Would you like to approach it? It's not a mirror now, is it? It is not. Well, all right then. I said enchantingly beautiful, not terrifyingly hideous. I know what you said. All right then. Let's see what this is. You step towards it mesmerized. Is it a precious gem? It's beautiful, but is it a gem in a case? Nope, it's a pupil in an eyeball mm. on a stalk. Oh dear. This beauty is in the eye of a beholder. You freeze as it turns its anti-magic cone towards you. How are you going to get out of this one? Well, anti-magic cone. Well, it's not going to do anything to me. So, I'm not really that afraid because I ain't made of magic. If it was uh, trying to petrify me or something, that would be something to concern. But uh, on this occasion, I, I can't see why I'd be, be particularly worried. Uh, I mean, perhaps it means that. Uh, thinks I'm beautiful in some way, and I would say thank you for the compliment, uh, the holder. Uh, I appreciate that, because if I'm in your eye and you think I'm beautiful, well then, that's just dandy. It appears as though the beholder doesn't take too well to flattery, as the walls around you that seemed very far away suddenly constrict and twist and suddenly feel much closer. So there is you, there is the beholder, and over the beholder ahead of you is your door, out of here. Like past the beholder? You can't get past on either side, your corridor has narrowed. Hmm. Still putting out this uh, anti-magic R-beam sort of thing. Okay. For now. Can I, can I grasp the, uh, the beholder by the stalk? You can certainly try. 
I'll shine that thing ahead of me like a torch. <laughs> see what's what. Get rid of any, any, any magic what's going on. Stuff like that. The beholder does not take too kindly to being grasped firmly by its ice dog and is going to attack you if you don't do anything to prevent it. Well. Maybe just think now. If I was being grasped by the ice stalk, what would I do? Probably I would uh, not take too kindly to that sort of thing. On the other hand, the walls are coming in on me. Doors uh, pass that way. Uh, maybe I could um, ride it like one of them uh, hippity hoppity space hopper things. So advancing along. Maybe I could do that. Are you particularly dexterous? I've been known to uh, essay a sachet from time to time. Well, let's see how agile the beholder is feeling. Oh, the beholder's feeling very, very lethargic today. You've caught them on a slow day, which is fortunate for you as you vault on top of the beholder. And its other eye stalks around its body do try and fixate on you, but you have managed to find the one blind spot on the top of a beholder's head. What would you like to do now? They can just call me Vanilla Eyes. Yeah. I came up with that one all by myself. Not I sure can why. tell. It's my favorite flavor of ice cream. <laughs> all right, then. I can see why I'm being punished in this way. <laughs> so I'm up I'm up on this here beholder, and I can see the, uh, the door in front of me now. You can. Right, then. So I'm going to try and jump up. I'm going to use this beholder like a trampoline. Spring my way to freedom. You would like to jump on the head of the beholder, or on the main bit of the beholder. Yes. And launch yourself through the door. Yes. Do you have a d20 on your person? Uh, yeah, I do have one of them uh, tetrahedral objects. You Why don't do, you uh, give it a roll? Well, let's see how this goes. You know what? It's not bad. If I had a, let's call it a modifier and such, uh, I would say that'd be something like a 23. Oh, you are very fortunate because if it was under a 20, the door definitely opened outwards. But however, somehow with the sheer force of your personality, as you bounce your way off the beholder and launch yourself, forward roll, I imagine, through the oh, door. Yeah. This door that was sure it was going to swing outwards and push you back onto the beholder um, does in fact change its mind, meeting the power of your charisma and open inwards, safely tumbling you. You know, uh, you know what room. they say? They say a smile can open many doors. Really? That's what I How's heard. that working for you? Well, I'm about one for one on that so far. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you've not stopped to choose if you're going into this next room. You just are in the next room. Um, which is suddenly from the quiet, slightly disorienting beholder peril of the previous room, 
a sudden enormous change of pace as there is cheerful, slightly twangly music from the band in the corner. Um, the smell of beer drenched sawdust greets your nose as you do faceplant on the floor and the sound of a lot of happy patrons having a very nice time in the tavern. Now, amongst the patrons is a rowdy table of dwarves, all drinking and clapping each other on the back. And they say, ah, you're here. Come sit. We are telling tales of our legendary exploits. Hafrook here has just been claiming that no one can beat the time they survived a shipwreck along the Sword Coast by taming a plesiosaur and riding it straight into Waterdeep. What do you reckon? What have you done? They stare at you with bated breath. Well, I reckon I've collected more stories from folks than uh, folks have ever told individually. And uh, I think that by combining every element of them stories, we can come up with something that goes beyond what we ever thought was possible. So why don't y'all tell me your legendary tales and I will do my best to make them part of Tarmora's liturgy. How's that sound? That sounds like you don't have a good story yourself and you don't want to tell one. Well, fine. Twas on a misty morning, young Aldrin's bow was taught. He went to catch a rabbit, the one that he had caught. But when he finally got there, the rabbit he had thought turned into a hare that wasn't there. And so in the shop he bought his dinner at the sunset. A giant then he rode. He came into the town and stood the folk that he had told. His story for the ages, a long and storied tale. For Aldrin was Tamora, and Tamora never fails. There so, is a stunned silence as the dwarves just stare at you. And then that is broken by a roaring and a stamping of feet and several pints of ale are shoved in your face. He made it rhyme! I can't make it rhyme! Do you make it rhyme? Amazing! How did you learn to do that? It's the invention of rhyme. Follow Tamora. Tamora will show you right. Here's some pamphlets. Um, they're in I'm bit pentamer. Oh, a solid three quarters of them take pamphlets. Um, amazing. And you catch sight out of the corner of your eye of the Fae just hovering gently above the next table, and she raises a glass to you in what you would almost call approval, but it surely couldn't be that. Surely not, no. I thought they were about to, um, things were about to get a little hairy when you just decided to ask them to tell you a story instead of your own, but you turned it around. Well, these folks are my folks, you know. People uh, have their own stories, their own tales. Plus, when uh, you come out with something when it's least expected, it's going to have more of an impact now, isn't it? But that would presuppose I had some understanding of how to uh, deal with folks and such like, and I ain't saying I do, I ain't saying I don't. Oh, come now, false humility is no fun at all. Is there any other kind? 
<laughs> you see in the tavern wall ahead of you a door. You get the feeling this might be your final door. Would you like to go through it? Well, it's a door, not a door. When it's a window. Sure, <laughs> let's go through. Excellent. This door is padded, royal blue, and has the buttons pushing in the padding. Um, doesn't seem to have a handle, but again, if you just touch it, it slides open. Do you go through? That is an unusual door process. Sure, why not? Let's see what's on to the side. You find yourself in a very cozy, comfortable lounge where a tiefling reclines on an overstuffed sofa. They give you a warm, welcoming smile and say, my dear boy, come on in. Take a uh, seat. Sure, well, I'll, I'll borrow one anyway. <laughs> Brandy? Why not? Good. You, uh, wouldn't happen to have any halfling cheese, would you? That's only for my best guests. Tell you what, I'll do you a deal. You answer me one question correctly. And if it is correct, you walk out of here with your life and some halfling cheese. You don't, well, neither of those things happen. Sound good? Well, before I answer that, um, hang on there. Ask me one thing, if I get the correct answer, then I get my life and some half and cheese. You just asked me a question. You asked me if it sounds good. And uh, I'd have to say, yeah, sounds pretty good to me. Can I have my cheese? Uh, you're very, very sharp. So sharp I might cut myself. But no, that wasn't the question. But you've just agreed. Are you ready for the question, which is coming after you answer, whether or not you are ready? Well, I feel slightly uh, concerned at this juncture, but sure, why not? As long as it's good cheese. Dear boy, don't be concerned. It's just a little bit of death if you get it wrong. Ah, the petty more, you might say. A little less pleasurable than that one, ah. I'm afraid. Although there are some very strange people in the world. And I am, definitely. What number am I thinking of? The number you are thinking of is the number you are thinking of. Damn it. That is technically correct, and I didn't specify that it wasn't. The best kind of correct. Hmm. Well, go on then. Take your cheese. And much good may it do you. Um, a delightful spread of halfling cheese appears on the table towards you where the tiefling has turned their back in disgust. Um, 
Do you take it? Sure, why not? Always an interesting question, why not? As you reach out and take it, the wall ahead of you again opens and there is just an open archway leading towards the porch of the villa where you began. Would you like to head back? Sure. Just follow this uh, yellow brick road to its conclusion. The Fae is waiting for you there. And again, looking almost impressed if such a thing is possible. Want some cheese, Faye? No cheese? I feel like this, no one's ever offered me cheese before. Well, there's quite a lot there. I don't know if I'm going to eat it all myself. She will reach out a little finger and fastidiously just try a crumb. Interesting. You can really taste the way halflings are used in the process. Oh, yeah. A friend of mine got me out of this stuff. It's a, it's a quiet taste, but it's worth the acquisition. I have to say I'm feeling very spoiled. First Fiorica, and then you have been really rather charming. I might have to rethink my whole party of one idea and maybe oh, reconnect with the other question masters, but they're so whiny and boring. Jeez. You kidnap too many Medusas and then they just go, oh, Faye, you shouldn't do that. But you have been good fun. I suppose I should let you head back, but um, do come and visit sometime on the assumption you remember that I exist and remember how to get here. I mean, that sounds like a invitation too good to resist. As uh, long as there's half and cheese, I guess I'd be Oh, Faye, with that situation. Hey! And with that ah! <laughs> terrible pun <laughs> that has broken me completely, the Villa of Veracity <laughs> dissolves around you and Aldrin is back in the throes of battle, I believe. Um, mm. Right. Thanks, David. <laughs> Pleasure. That was fun. <laughs> 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 and thank you everyone for watching this little bit of carnage it's always good fun for us even if it's not for you i hope it is for you Hopefully. you will find us here every friday 6 to 7 p.m i think we're out of bst and into gmt or maybe we're still just in bst i'm not sure 6 to 7 p.m in the british time and on mondays and tuesdays 6 till 9 p.m same British time. Um, we stream our D&D games where you can follow the adventures of people just like Aldrin. And specifically, you can follow the adventures of Aldrin. Um, Aldrin, yes, where can people watch... Well, David, where can people yes. watch Aldrin and why should they? Uh, people can watch Aldrin on Mondays and also after that on demand. Um, the VOD is on Twitch and also on uh, YouTube. Why should you? Because you want to be entered entertained and he will entertain you channel your robbie williams let me entertain you um, and on tuesdays i don't actually know what's streaming on tuesdays at the moment um i know we have sean's campaign seeds of defiance starting i think next week but i don't think that's 
that's this coming week. Anyway, whatever there is on Tuesday, there is a D&D game. (laughs) Sorry, editors. There is a D&D game on Tuesday. Please, Mod, stick it in the chat. It is 6 till 9pm. It will be brilliant um, because the DMs and the players we have are amazing. If you like mystery, just turn up at 6 o'clock on Tuesday evening and see what's playing. Um, All of this streams at twitch.tv forward slash RollTogetherRPG. VODs are available immediately after the stream to catch up and on YouTube as well and you can also enjoy them as a podcast huge thanks again to our beautiful d20 club on patreon our dice heads if you'd like to support us you can do so from as little of as one or equivalent of your local currencies per month and thank you also to all of our sponsors and supporters now david and you can take the charming aldrin with you um as you go please remember the ancient question master proverb it's yours, David. You coined it. Would you like to sign off? Stay classy. At the tape.